Thanks for the pre-chairs, everyone. Uh, wasn't expecting any cheering at all. My name's Caleb. I am a part of the Manchac CG. I've been at the well. <laughs> if you wondered where they sit, usually over there. Um, I've been at the well for about three years, and I also serve on the production team. Um, but today I'm reading from Mark chapter 4. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. Check, check. There we go. All right, that works. Um, well, good afternoon. I am Travis. I am the church plant resident here at the well. And some of you are thinking, this guy again? Wasn't he just up here like two weeks ago? Um, yes, I was. I know, Holy. Okay, chill. Um, but, but man, like Tori said, y'all are here. You are the elect. You are the chosen. There was so much going on this week, and I was like, man, we just gonna have a couple dudes who didn't go to women's retreat. We had ACL. You got Austin FC game going on right now, and so uh, if I see any grown men crying that are wearing green, I will know it's a bad sign. If I hear a lot of cheers, I'll know it's not necessarily my preaching. It's, it's the game's going good, but they, so thank you um, for being here. Every time I get to share the word, um, I just feel super honored. Um, and privilege. But uh, before we dive into our text for today, I just wanted to um, take a moment because I won't be preaching again this month. You all can breathe sigh of relief. Uh, so this is my only chance. But um, traditionally in churches, October is seen as Pastor Appreciation Month. And I didn't ask Tori if I could talk about this right now. And he, I don't know if he likes this. But, um, but anyway, I just want to say, um, man, we are blessed to have a great pastor here. Tori is a great shepherd. And... If y'all don't see me again, I got fired, all right? Um, but I remember, like... I remember when me and Tori first started like texting, he was like, hey bro, I hear you're playing the church and everything. And the first couple messages, like probably all the way until I moved to Austin, I was always calling him Pastor Tori. It was Pastor Tori. Hey, Pastor Tori. And I spelt it with an I at first. I didn't know it was with a Y. I just saw Toriano. I thought it was Tori with an I. And so I would always say, hey, Pastor, hey, Pastor, because that's kind of the background that I came from. It was kind of weird to not call our pastor, um, Pastor. And then as I got here and kind of got the vibe, I was like, okay, he's, he's, we're just going to call him Tori. But sometimes in emails, I'll joke and kind of just say, all right, Pastor. Um, but he is our pastor. He's a friend and a great leader that we have, but he is also um, our spiritual leader and shepherd that God has placed over us here in this body. And so we're not going to take up an offering for him or nothing like that, but if you could just let him know you appreciate him during this month, send him a text, shoot him an email, um, get him a gift card if you feel impressed. I don't know. Just say, hey, thanks for, thanks for doing you. Um, but just wanted to say that just to put it out there because it's my last time and we do have a great leader. So just wanted to take a moment and honor you, Tori. So thank you. Um, 
But if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them to the passage we just read. If you don't have it opened already, is in Mark. Um, we are continuing in our series entitled Uniquely Jesus, and we're looking through the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And today we're going through our first uh, sermon, I guess, in the book of Mark. And the book of Mark is not, doesn't got, he's not, doesn't have a lot of original stuff that's not in other gospels. About 90% of Mark is found in Matthew and about 50% of Mark you can find in the gospel of Luke. And so there's not a ton in the book of Mark that makes it unique. I think out of our whole series, two kind of three sermons actually cover content in Mark's gospel. Um, But today we're talking about the seed growing secretly is the title of our passage. It's only four verses and I'm not really going to tell you where we're going to go. We're just going to go there and you'll see at the end where we go. All right. So we're going to pick up in the first verse that we read in verse 26. It says, and he said, I'm going to stop right there. He said, it's only four verses and I got 30 minutes. So we're going to break down every single word in here. All right. He said, who's talking here? It's Jesus. Okay. Jesus is speaking here. And the context is actually pretty similar to um, what it was two weeks ago. Jesus is by the sea and a large crowd is uh, all around him and he's trying to teach them and he goes out on a boat again and he begins to teach them a parable. And in this situation, as opposed to two weeks ago in the book of Luke, we actually know what Jesus teaches. He teaches him a parable titled the parable of the sower. And he talks about a man who was sowing seed on four different types of soil. And then after he teaches this parable, um, he is alone with his disciples and a few others. And his disciples ask him, what does this parable mean? And so for one of the very few times in, when it comes to parables, we actually get to hear Jesus explain what a parable is. And so he begins to explain this parable. And then afterwards, he goes in to explain more parables that primarily talk about the kingdom of God. And so let's keep going. It says, and he said, so Jesus is speaking, he's talking to his disciples and a few others. And he said, the kingdom of God, stop right there. Um, the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you a definition. Um, I didn't have time to add this this this, uh, morning in the notes, but when we think about the kingdom of God, what I want us to think of is this. The redemptive rule and reign of God in Jesus. The kingdom of God is the redemptive rule and reign of God in Jesus. Now, that is not mine. I took it from a pastor called David Platt. I heard one time say it, and I was like, okay, I like that definition. I'm going to go with that. All right, so I got to give him credit. But the redemptive rule and reign of God in Christ. So God is reigning all the time. He is sovereign. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But when we're talking about his redemptive rule, there's two parts to that. The redemptive rule is present. So the kingdom of God is present now. Christ came and the redemption message is spreading right now. So people are getting saved. The kingdom of God is at hand, the Bible talks about. It is present, but the kingdom of God is also a future hope that we have that the king, King Jesus, is coming back and his redemption will be complete. And so the kingdom of God, we're talking about his redemptive rule. It's both present and a future hope that we have. Jesus speaks a lot about the kingdom. The word kingdom is mentioned 126 times in the Gospels, but only 34 times in the rest of the New Testament. 
And so Christ oftentimes talks about his kingdom. John the Baptist talked about his kingdom, okay? We'll talk about this here in a moment. Let's keep going. And he said, the kingdom of God, the redemptive rule and reign of God, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So Jesus just told a parable that actually gives us some context to what he just said here. He gives us what the seed is. And he says in Mark chapter four, verse 14, so right before what we just read, he said, the sower sows the word. And so the seed, what we sow is the word of God. And so the kingdom of God is like a man who is scattering seed. So he's scattering the word. He is, it's like somebody who is sharing the word. It is evangelism. And so what comes to mind, just think for a second. I'm going to give you like three seconds to think about what comes to your mind when you think about evangelism. We are a results-based culture. And so oftentimes we can think of evangelism, we can think of sharing our faith as something that we have to manufacture and make happen rather than simply just a message that has to be delivered. So, so we think of evangelism as I have to get them to act a certain way, but evangelism is simply just delivering the gospel message. Now don't get me wrong, our aim in sharing our faith is to see their lives transformed by the gospel, is to see them turn from their sin and come to Christ. That is our aim, and it should be nothing less. But what I'm hoping to do is kind of heal us um, of a works-based, results-based salvation and evangelism. The question of whether you are evangelizing or not is, isn't by how many converts you have. It's by asking yourself the question, am I faithfully making the gospel heard amongst other people? Am I faithfully making known the gospel message? Like even right now, as I am scattering seed, as I'm sharing the word, I understand that there is nothing that I can do. I can pull out stats, I can be funny, I can pull out facts, and I can do whatever I can to do, but simply all I'm doing right now is scattering seed. And so evangelism is simply making the message known. And he says, scatter, he says, excuse me, he says, is as, a man, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. This is a message that we are all called to scatter. We are all called to evangelism. And sometimes we can buy into this lie that, well, I'm not gifted in evangelism, so I guess I don't have to share my faith. But there's a couple reasons why we should scatter seed. One is because it's a command in Scripture. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations, 2 Corinthians 5.18, through Christ who himself, who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is a command in scripture that we are to share our faith. But even beyond it being a command, we should share our faith. We should scatter seed because of our love for God and our love for other people. Because I love God, why would I not want to bring him more glory by bringing others to him? And so I scatter seed, not, oh man, I guess I gotta do it. I guess I gotta tell people. I guess I gotta share my faith with people. I guess I gotta share the gospel. No, but out of my love for God, out of our love for God, it should draw us to draw others to him. But not only because of our love for God, but because of our love for people. We're not just lecturing people who are lost, but we are loving them. 
We're not just teaching truth, we're shepherding souls. We are sharing in love. Are we willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to look silly? Are we willing to pray more? Are we willing to talk and have more conversations with others because we love them and care for them and want to see them come to faith? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Like, is that true about us? Will we spend and allow our lives to be spent because of our love that we have for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our classmates, for whoever it is in our lives? Are we willing to spend and be spent for their souls? And so scattering seed, it's evangelism. And this is something that we're all called to share in spreading the word of God. But what is the word that we are sharing? What is the seed we are scattering? What is the message to be delivered? It is the gospel. It is a message of love, grace, and mercy. It is the message that salvation is found only in Christ Jesus. And that's what makes it hard sometimes. It's just scattering seed. Like, like if, if it's just scattering seed, why is it so hard? Sometimes it's because the seed, the message that we're sharing, as we're sharing it towards a world that is hostile towards God, it's not going to be received, and that makes it difficult. Barna does research. They do a lot of Christian research, church research, and they did a study, and if they found this. of millennial Christians think it's wrong to share their beliefs with somebody of another faith in hopes that one day they share that faith. So almost half of believing millennials think that it's wrong for us to share our faith with somebody else who already has a faith because we see our friends and we see, I saw, I was talking with a dad yesterday at my son's soccer who is, uh, practices Hinduism. And I'm talking, and this dude's like nice. Like he's the nicest guy on the team. He's like the nicest dad. And so we're talking, and as this comes up, I'm thinking like, God, is this the time that I need to share it? And I'm like, but our relationship's so good. I don't want to mess, the, I don't want him to not like me anymore. Like, how do, and, and so I'm praying about it. And, and I'm thinking as we're talking and we're yelling at our kids at the same time. So I'm like, maybe this isn't the good time. And, and, I, was, and I was reminded at um, my son actually was with his son and our coach one time who is a Christian. And it was a Sunday and the coach turned on worship music and said, Zeke, it's Sunday, let's worship. And this Hindu son was there. And the other kid, he's like, what is worship? What is church? And so the coach says, Zeke, tell him. And so I remember my, him telling me and sharing how my son was telling him what, what, why we worship God and telling him about what church is and, and explaining to this kid Christ for the first time. And I begin to think about how that seed was planted in him. And I just begin to pray and pray that God would give me the opportunity to share with his dad one day. But it's hard sometimes when you, have, when you see people who just seem like their lives are going so great and you seem like they're so nice. Why, why would we need, it seems almost narrow-minded to share with them that Christ is the only way. Oftentimes what we do is we, we picture God as if he's on a mountain. And some people go this way to him. Some people go this way. We go this way, but the path all lead to the same God. 
But the message of the Bible is that the God that was on top of that mountain actually came down that mountain and made a way and showed us the way. And that is the message that we proclaim, that we don't have to guess, that we don't have to wander around a mountain trying to find God, but God came down to meet us and made a way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we are all called to scatter seed, and this is the message that we share. So practical application, if we can. Some of you are like, okay, so what do I, what do, I do? Just, just start talking to people about Jesus. What am I supposed to do? Um, a couple of things, just two things. There's a lot of things I think we can do. But one of them is something that God's kind of put on my heart recently is just memorize more scripture. Like if the word is the seed, it's probably good to have some more seed on hand, some more scripture, some more Bible um, themes and stories that we have kind of what we talked about two weeks ago, like saturate ourselves um, with the word. And so memorizing scripture, but then also um, being discipled. I shared two weeks ago, I am not a fisherman. I'll share today. I am not a farmer either, okay? <laughs> Newsflash, I can't even get my grass green. I don't know how we do it here. Like ever since we moved into our new place, it's just yellow all the time. There's like little patches of green and I'm just out there with like, I'm wasting my time and my water right now. This is stupid. Like, so I am not a farmer. I do not have a green thumb by any um, sense of the imagination, but we have a couple of staff members who kind of were raised on a farm. And so as we were talking about this in exegesis, we begin to talk about how usually farming, you, you don't just you don't just become a farmer typically. Like it's something that you are raised up in, you are taught, it's passed down to you from your father or from another family member. Like you were raised on a farm and it's kind of just passed on. And as we begin to think about that, I, I begin to think about, man, that's really similar to the kingdom. Like we need to be discipled. We need, we need people to just kind of come alongside us who are gifted in this area and help us. In another Barna study, it said that 40% of people who don't share their faith, their biggest barrier is not feeling qualified or equipped. And so most of us, I know this was true along, for a while for me, I didn't evangelize, I didn't share my faith because I didn't know what to do. I just, I just was completely lost until I had people share. And so we have a great missions team. I was going to throw their emails up here, but you can go on the website and find them. We got Tyler and Carlos on staff that are mobilizers, lead our DMIs and GMCs. We have Will, who is a missions associate, not Roy. I called Roy a missions associate in one sermon, and nobody let me live it down in the staff. Um, but we have Will, who's a missions associate. We have three missions residents, Norelli, Haley, and Brian. Um, like, reach out to them. Be like, hey, can you teach me about sharing my faith? Can you teach me about evangelism? And if they can't, they can connect you with other people among the body who can. Even Yusuf or Roy are college associate. He would, I'm sure Roy would love to, but reach out, like try to see like, hey, I'm, this is not an area that I am good at. Like when I'm scattering seed, when I'm sharing the gospel, it's just like random. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I just start eating seed. I get so nervous. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I just stick it in the other pocket. Like, I'm like, no. And so like, man, just reach out and be like, hey, could you, could you, could we meet up one time and just just talk, and I'm sure they would love to. And so um, what we see in verse 26 is we see man's responsibility. It's to scatter seed, um, but we actually work in partnership with God in evangelism to see hearts transformed. Let's continue in verse 27. He sleeps 
and rises. So he scatters seed and then he sleeps. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces it by itself. This is God working here. This is God using the earth, using natural laws, if you will, to create growth, a supernatural growth. And God can do this because of a theological term titled the sovereignty of God. Because God is sovereign. What does it mean that God is sovereign? It means that God is in control of everything. He is in absolute authority over everything. He is present among all of his creation. He is the creator God. Most believers, I don't think, have a problem thinking about the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. For the most part, I understand that sometimes we, we struggle with the sovereignty of God. We look around and, and see different things that are going on in the world and think, God, where are you if you are in control? And so certainly, maybe we have those moments. But for the most part, I think we all kind of are like, yeah, God is all powerful. He's in control. But where I think it gets a little bit dicey is... To what extent does God apply his sovereignty over man's will? God's sovereignty and man's responsibility are actually taught side by side in scripture. They both are present realities. Oftentimes, actually not often, but sometimes even in the same text. Look at Acts chapter 2 verse 23. Talking about the sovereignty of God. God being in control. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So sovereignty, his plan, his foreknowledge, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And so we see here both man's responsibility for sin and yet God's sovereign plan working out. These are both realities that Spurgeon would um, kind of encourage us that these, these two things are not enemies, but they're actually friends. I believe that all believers acknowledge the sovereignty of God in salvation in two ways. Whether, whether you, and, and if we're, as we're talking about the sovereignty of God, if you have any questions, Tori gave out his email last week, so I'm gonna give out mine. It's tmayoatthewellaustin.com, okay? Stands for Travis and my birthday's in May, so mayo, all right? <laughs> It's March, it ain't. (laughs) But all believers acknowledge the sovereignty of God in salvation in two ways. One, and this is gonna be a participation thing, okay? Would you raise your hand if you give God thanks for your salvation? If you have thanked God for your salvation, would you raise your hand? Okay, pretty much everybody for the most part. Why? Because we didn't save ourselves. Christ saved us. There was nothing that we could do. Christ is the one who saved us. God is the one who pursued us and found us. So we thank him because he is the one who saved us. He is sovereign. Raise your hand for this one. Raise your hand if you pray for the salvation of others. Okay. We pray that God would save others because we understand that it's through him that he is the only one that can turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And as we talk about the sovereignty of God and man's responsibility and man's will, I think there's some mystery here, but I think we can just rest and 
I think it's healthy for us sometimes to just remember that God is wiser than us. And although we can't understand fully sometimes how God can be sovereign over salvation and how man has responsibility and will, I believe there is some mystery to that, but God is wiser than us. When we hear the sovereignty of God, though, I believe we have some issues with it. One issue we have with the sovereignty of God is that it's uncontrollable. Like this man did nothing. Like the, he, he did nothing to, to cause this seed to grow. And so some of us are afraid of the sovereignty of God because that means we lose control over our lives. So we can share our faith when we want, when we're in control. We can partake of whatever we want. We can drink however much of whatever we want. We can sleep with whoever we want. We can give how much we want. We can do whatever we want when we are in control. And this is what we are constantly being fed through our world, through social media, is that it's your life. What you gonna do? What's that song? I don't know. I just thought of it. What's your life? What you gonna do? The world is far. Nobody. Okay. Um, <laughs> Probably why it was in my notes. Um, but I do have another song for you that is in my notes, okay? This was a hit song in uh, 2013. I'm gonna read some lyrics to you, okay? To prove how culture is constantly telling us, hey, you need to be in control. You need to be ruler over your life, all right? Um, let's go ahead. I have these lyrics up here. It's time to see what I can do. To test the limits. I don't even need to read my notes. There's no shame in here. To test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rule for me. I'm free. Thank you, thank you. All right. The rest of you, you wanted to so bad, but it's okay. You got to keep your street cred. It's all good. It's all good. But think about this. Think about this song. Think about what else is crazy. As I was thinking about this, I was like, man, most of them probably were like kids when this was coming out. Like this was a banger for them. Like this was it. But look, she's saying it's time to see what I can do. Test limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I am free. I'm free. I have control. I get to do what I want. And so in 2013, there's a bunch of little girls who are running around saying, I'm free. I can do what I want. There's no right. There's no rules. And this is the message that is still preached to us today, almost 10 years later, is that we have control. We make our decisions. We should do what pleases us. We want control. But when we give God control is when we get to see the mysterious work of Christ's work, not just in a seed in a ground, but in salvation and in the hearts of believers. It's a miracle. I think about, uh, we're going to read, let's read Ecclesiastes 11.5. Just like a seed going in the ground and like sprouting a tree and a bush, like by itself is crazy. And it's similar to when a baby is formed in the womb. Ecclesiastes 11.5, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Like how a baby forms in the womb, if we think about it, is crazy. You have an egg from woman, and we'll say the seed from man, all right? And from that, you get bones. Like, you get eyeballs. You get a brain. You get a heart. Like, 
how does that happen inside of here? It's what scripture would call the spirit of God. Spirit comes to the bones with child. So you do not know how, what the, how the work is going on. And so it's crazy, but it shows that God is the only one that can do that. God is the only one that can give life in a womb. He is the creator. Like my mom didn't create me. Like if I, my eyeball popped out, I can't go ask her for another eyeball because she didn't make it. Christ did in his sovereignty. And it's, it's, it's so amazing to think about. But as we think about that in the same way, that's what Christ does to give us spiritual life is he plants his spirit in our hearts and begins to change us and form us and those who we share the gospel with, who we scatter seed to. And our lack of giving up control is oftentimes an attack on God's character because we question his faithfulness and we're like, man, do I really trust him? Do I really, am I willing to relinquish control to give to him? Not on, sometimes in the salvation of others, like sometimes we'll share the gospel or we're discipling somebody and we wanna take on an unhealthy form, unintentionally sometimes, of Christ to where in a sense we become their savior because we're trying and we're, we're, we're trying to do too much rather than just let God bring the growth. And so we, we, some of us can't rest when we're not in control because we're too worried about whether God is really at work. But then when we are in control, we don't rest because we're working. And so there never is any rest and our souls are just weary. And so the sovereignty of God should give us peace and help us to not be anxious that God is in control. For some of us though, it's not controlling, it's the knowing part. As Juli would call it, say, chismoso. Some of us are just nosy. We just want to know. That's Spanish, that's nosy. But some of us just want to know, which is a form of control when you really think about it. But really what it is, is it's impatience. So not only do we not really care for the sovereignty of God because of not being in control, but because we're impatient, because we're kind of just waiting on God. When we share the gospel, sometimes it's we become impatient because we're not seeing what we want to see in their life. Or we become impatient in other areas of life because we don't feel like God is moving. Not only do we live in a results-based culture, but we want things now. Me and Zeke were watching the Longhorn game yesterday. And I was, and yeah, okay. Um, and so, anybody know that Austin FC score though? No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so we were watching and I was like, oh, Zeke, look at, the, look at his touchdown. And we were watching and he missed it. And he was like, when's the replay coming? Like my son got so mad because the replay took 15 seconds to come on. But that's our culture. We're like, man, when is this coming? Forget it. I don't even care about football anymore. Turn the channel off. Like, like we get so, we're so impatient with the things of, with things of this world. But what he says here is he says he sleeps and gets up. And the tense that this is spoken in, in the original language, it is a repeated action. It's a long process that we have to learn to be patient in. Sometimes, though, we can grow impatient in our own salvation. Like, we're like, yo, I thought I would have been like a full grain by now, but I'm just like this little blade. Or, hey, I thought I'd be a blade by now, but I'm just a seed under the ground still. And, and we get frustrated with ourselves and we get discouraged because we're not seeing the victory over sin that we feel like we should. Or we're not seeing, we're, we're in CG and questions and we say something and we're like, man, that was so dumb. Why did I say that? And so anybody else been there? Just me? Okay. And, and you're, you become impatient. You're like, gosh, why did I say that, man? Why? And we 
we get so frustrated with our own spiritual walk, but not only in ours, but with other people. Like CG shepherds, shepherding people, loving people constantly, pouring into people just to see sometimes not a lot of growth can be frustrating, can be discouraging, and can cause us to be impatient. Sharing your faith on campus as a student and over and over having conversations with people and not feeling like you're seeing any fruit can cause us to become impatient. Going on a missions trip to overseas to an unreached people group and being there for a few weeks and then coming back and being like, yo, did I even do, like, did I even make an impact? Remember, our responsibility is to scatter seed, not to make the results happen. Jeremiah, who is known as the weeping prophet because he was just a sad man. He would constantly share God's truth. He would constantly give the word of the Lord and he hardly saw anybody um, turn from their sin, maybe two people. And he writes this about the salvation of the Lord in Lamentations 3.26. He says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Man, if anybody could have been impatient with waiting for the salvation of the Lord, I think it could have been Jeremiah. But in his wisdom, as he was led by the Holy Spirit to pen this, he said, it is good to be patient. And so we are to scatter seed God is bringing the growth. God is working and we are patiently waiting for the Lord to do a work in people's hearts that only he can do. We partner with him. And here's the thing. We're gonna kind of wrap up with this. We must be patient because what are we talking about? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not coming like a lightning strike. It's not coming like a tidal wave that's just coming really quick. But the kingdom of God came through 2,000 years ago when Christ was planted on this earth as a greater seed for 33 years. And while he was here, he scattered seed of his word into 12 disciples for three years, one of who would walk away. But because he came, planted himself on this earth, scattered seed to his disciples, now millions of followers of Christ are in this world. And let's read last one. Not only is he the greater seed and the greater sower, but verse 29, but when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He's the greater seed. He's the greater sower. He is the greater harvester. In Joel and in Revelation, the same language is used. And when it is used, it is always talked about the arrival of the kingdom. What did he say in the beginning? This is about the kingdom. It is in reference to the kingdom. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't something that we just look back to. It isn't just something that we remember. It is good to remember that Christ died, that he rose, that he lived the sinless life, that he ascended. But part of the good news 
news that we oftentimes miss is the future. It's that the harvester is coming back. Christ is returning and he's gathering himself of harvest as he brings his redemptive rule and reign to completeness. Praise God and hallelujah that Christ is returning. And so we then now scatter more and more seed so that when our king returns, there is an even greater harvest for him. Farmers are always looking forward towards the harvest. From the research that I did, of course. (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about. From the research. So when they are knee deep in manure... And they're surrounded by a bunch of garbage. (laughs) They are looking to the harvest. They are looking for the king to come back, if you will. When the irrigation pipe bursts and things aren't going as planned, they are looking towards the harvest. When they're working sunup to sundown in the heat of the summer, they are looking for the harvest, for when the king returns. It's weird, it's uncomfortable, we don't like it, but we are called to scatter seeds so that when our king returns, there is a great harvest waiting for him. That's what, he's, that's what Jesus is saying here. Saying the kingdom of God is like this. And so would we not be discouraged? Would we not be fearful? But would we be joyful to be able just to scatter seed, to share a message for our king? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. God, we love you. You are good to us, God. You're so good. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would overflow in each one of our lives. That we would not just keep the seed of your word in our pockets. That we would not keep the message of your love, grace, and mercy to ourselves but out of our love for you and our love for those around us, we would scatter that seed. Not trying to make something happen, not trying to force a result, not trying to force something, but simply sharing the message of the gospel. So Holy Spirit, would you help us? As I think about the book of Acts, oftentimes when people were filled with you, Holy Spirit, it just, it didn't lead them to speaking in tongues, but it led them to speak your word boldly. And so, Holy Spirit, would you fill us to speak your word boldly, just like those in the book of Acts? God, would we be reminded of Acts 17, that you have predetermined our boundaries, that you have placed us around the people. You have put us in the fields if you will, of life that we are in to scatter the seed there. So Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your work. Thank you that we get to see fruit. Thank you 
for saving us, God. Thank you for first planting yourself on this earth so that we would have salvation, God. Now let us reproduce that in other people. God, would you continue to remind us to think about eternity, to think about the end, to look forward to the day when you return and your kingdom reigns completely and fully on this earth. Let us remember that day and let that day motivate us and push us to scatter more and more seed. As we worship and as we even go later this week, would you speak to us? Would you lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, into the places that you would have us scatter more and more seed? Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.